I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm Willa Rowe. And this week, Willa, we are sick and fucking tired of video games. <laughs> What's new? There's... <laughs> That's true. But this week, we're sick of specifically watching trailers for like 45 different video games in a row interspersed by dudes wearing t-shirts and blazers talking shit on stage i mean yeah if we want we can talk about jeff Keeley's outfit because i have thoughts it was a disgrace <laughs> it was terrible it was a brown blazer with this it was a shiny brown blazer with this stupid design on it that like shined blue yeah and then he was wearing like brown dress pants but they weren't the same fabric of brown so they didn't match i just like i've accepted that that the gamer bros are going to continue wearing t-shirts with blazers and jeans on stage but this was Mm -hmm. like another level this was not this was like doing a bad thing badly and that was the worst thing about the summer game fest presentation i mean that actually describes pretty much (laughs) the entire summer games fest doing a bad thing badly yeah Oh man. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's not E3 season, mm-hmm. which means every 45 minutes there's another fucking showcase of just like, you know, marketing beams into your eyeballs for for new video games that neither of us really care about. They come so, out of the woodworks. I don't know where the they come from. There were so many. <laughs> yeah, there are so many. I remember like 2 years ago maybe I wrote a thing that was like, "Why it's fine that E3's dead and we have these other showcases to fill the void and that's great and now i'm like you were so wrong you had no fucking idea yeah like these things are so insufferable we've okay so for anyone who's not living our lives the past week has had what's it been summer ga- uh, can we even summer name game fest summer game fest then day, day of the, of the devs. devs devolver had something devolver digital i think there was the another one that night future games showcase or something was that that same night I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, that? Tribeca had the their thing. Play. Yeah, so future play. Tribeca Angelina. Games had their like presentation. Wholesome games. Wholesome direct. The Ubisoft thing today. The Ubisoft thing the today. Xbox thing. The Xbox thing slash the the Starfield right. direct. PC gaming show. PC gaming show, and that's all the things that have happened so right. far. I think. Kept not to mention. Tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, not to mention Capcom. Where Dragon's Dogma 2. Show Dragon's Dogma 2. Stay uh, tuned for that next week. Yeah. So that's... But that's like 10 that's things. That's too many. How many of these I, did you did you actually watch? Like, as opposed Summer to Game just, like, Fest. reading up the highlights later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I watched Summer Game Fest. Same. I cheated, and I got to see the Day of the Devs presentation early. Mm-hmm. I, I did watch that. I also cheated and got Tribeca early. <laughs> I didn't watch the Wholesome Direct. I didn't watch Devolver. I watched... I didn't watch the Future of Play. I watched the Xbox Showcase in a car driving back from a weekend trip. (laughs) And then at one point, I fell asleep in the car, so I missed the back half. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I got home from that car trip... And fell asleep before the PC gaming show. And then I woke up after it had happened. <laughs> and then I watched the you Ubisoft woke up to me forward. Angry tweeting about it. Yeah. Uh, and then I and then I watched the Ubisoft forward today. Uh-huh. But, which I wish I was asleep for, but Yeah. 
what do you think is the most insufferable one of these shows is okay. the question I wanted to ask you. And mm-hmm. then I realized that's like an impossible question. <laughs> I actually have okay, a couple. Okay, okay. Um, I think they're all insufferable in their yeah. own special little ways. Yes. Honorable, except for one, but we'll get to that. Honorable mention. To, one of them is extremely sufferable. Yeah. Honorable mention to the PC gaming show because I didn't watch that, but I heard it was a disaster. <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> I felt like... it's like when you're really sick so you drink a bunch of nyquil and then you still can't get to sleep like it was it was uh, upsetting to see yeah so what was like happening i heard it was like a lot of stupid bits a lot of stupid bits they Mm -hmm. had this fucking thing where like the one host one of them got turned into a fucking ai hologram and it was just like jokes about like the same joke about that over and over and over again, mm-hmm. uh, which made it even funnier when they one of the games they showed for like four minutes was just an AI fucking story generation thing. But it was just, yeah, all these like really atrocious, unwatchable skits. Of the ones I did watch, I think the most inseparable were Ubisoft Forward. Mm-hmm. This shit was so bad. It was first off, it looked like it was a high school theater production. It was like in a black box theater. Terrible. Also, it seemed like nobody knew what they were going to say. There were so many long, awkward pauses. Also, the audience so often didn't respond, which made the awkward, like, hold for applause segment so weird. And then generally, it was just like, there was, there was like nothing of interest besides yeah. like one thing, maybe. <laughs> but like, it was so uninteresting. And then in addition to that, Summer Game Fest was insufferable itself because... So to go to the the Ubisoft thing, I just want to point out, I so you were t- talking about it, and I turned it on right when uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage was about to start, and the audio completely cut out. <laughs> so there was no audio at all for that trailer, which I was like, oh, okay, so this is, mm-hmm. it is a disaster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for that, the rest of that showcase, I just muted it whenever someone came up to talk, because it was like, yeah. so difficult to watch. And then um, Summer Game Fest was obviously like, so annoying for the general reason of it's like it's the biggest big budget shill like showcase of them all it feels like and then on top of that being like the most awkward person to be on a stage and then on top of that obviously the the no women thing yeah like no women like that was wild barely any people of color it was I was just like watching Ash Parrish tweet that the whole time. Just like, it's been 90 minutes, Jeff. (laughs) What are we doing? For a dollar. For a dollar, Jeff. Bring a woman on stage. It was um, bleak. But yeah, really like extremely, extremely noticeable that that was what was happening. The thing about Summer Game Fest also was that like, it had the big budget like stuff that Jeff Keighley like joints always do, mm-hmm. but it had like none of the actual good shit, which I think is a running trend for a lot of these is like the majority of the showcases themselves were very boring, except mm-hmm. for like in the case of like Summer Go- Game Fest and Ubisoft Forward, they closed out really well. But besides that, it was just like, I'm so so bored but yeah i think they're all bad in their own special ways uh summer game fest in that way that it is a big commercial that is like has aspirations i find i feel bad about this one but i, I find the wholesome direct also just like impossible to watch like mm-hmm. the people who host that like genuinely seem like very cool and like whatever but it's just like it's very weird to market yourself with 
the word wholesome, which obviously has like a religious and anti-queer connotation uh, historically. Mm-hmm. And there's something that strikes me as really weird about like, this is the only ho- showcase that's hosted by three women and they need to like be quiet and calm the whole time and only talk about games that are about like drinking tea. And it's just a little like, you're just leaning so far into your shtick. It, it gets a little, it's a little much. Yeah. And then, yeah, the Ubisoft one is bad. The PC gaming one was just like painful to watch. The same with the Future Games Showcase. It was hosted by like two actors. I forget who they even were, but just like doing these horrible little bits. Like, God, it's they're all so, so brutal, but in different ways, which makes Mm -hmm. it always exciting. You don't know exactly how it's going to hurt you. You Mm -hmm. just know it's going to hurt. Except for I think we have the same one in mind for the one that is absolutely a legitimate joy to watch. Yeah. Which is Day Day of the Devs. So good. It's always been good. I wish that I, I wish that there was space for this to be the major show. I agree. The other thing is, if you watch the, these shows, like while they're streaming, you have to immediately turn off the chat because the whole time there's people in there who apparently spend their whole lives just like spamming poop emojis in live streams like this. And it's just like it's so perplexing to me that someone would watch like Day of the Devs and be like, boring show Call of Duty. And it's like, no, dude, like, why? What are you doing here? So I get why this isn't like the format that has caught on for something like Summer Game Fest. But uh-huh. I just wish there was room for a thing where it's like, we're going to show a handful of games. We're going to spend a lot of time on each one. We're going to have the developers tell you about them, which which by which I mean the people making the game, not like the CEO of the publisher, which is the other thing that like if a lot of these big name shows do like deign to trot out an actual human being to tell you about the game, it's like, I'm the creative director and I'm here to tell you about like what PR told me to say before I got on stage. These are just like, we had a bunch of developers send in like cell phone footage of themselves talking. And I think it's fucking great. Um, there were some really great little dev like uh, videos that I really liked. Like we'll get into it eventually, but um, I, I loved the Beastie Ball team. <laughs> They're so perfect. They're so cute. I the whole like I was really excited about Beastie Ball and so much of it is mm-hmm. just because like that whole team was just like so like I just want to hang out and, and like listen to them talk about their game. Like they just had they were just so interesting to listen to. They're There's so this good. one amazing line delivery. Um I don't like have the trailer pulled up right now, but one of the devs is like, but this is a serious game. It's about sports. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. It's funny, it's good, it's great. Okay, do we want to do we do we want to just start running through games? Like, I yeah, don't let's just dive through them. Preamble. No, uh, we have no structure for this. So I don't we have know no structure. Wanna, let's just go. <laughs> Fuck it, we do it live. Okay, biggest game, biggest reveal of the show, of the whatever of the whole week of the week. Citizen Sleeper Two. Citizen Sleeper Two. <laughs> Goaty. 2024, 2025-ish, who knows? It's going to be so great when Citizen Sleeper wins our 2022 Game of the Year award, our 2023 Game of the Year award for episode Purge, and then eventually Game of the Year for Citizen Sleeper 2 whenever it comes out. Yeah, so this did have the not showing any gameplay syndrome which so many mm-hmm. of these games do which makes sense because it i i can't imagine it's like super long in development and also what they would be showing would be like screens of text anyway so i i get it but yeah a cool little cinematic Nothing gets me going like some big old blocks of text yeah i mean yes but we're perverts um so citizen sleeper 2 is coming out at some point i was very curious because i mean we both 
like have been following Gareth very closely, I'm assuming, both reading their newsletter and like following them on Twitter and stuff. Uh, and they've been teasing this like really heavily. I had the impression that it was going to be another citizen sleeper adjacent thing. And judging by just like the interview I had with Gareth, some things that they said, I, I had assumed that, that they were going to keep working with uh, like the engine that they built to make Citizen Sleeper. I was not sure that it was going to be like a direct sequel, though, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So in this, you play as like a new sleeper who uh, basically escapes from the eye on a ship. Uh, and you like have a crew this time that you're like, you're like managing this crew on a spaceship as you like go out toward, you know, finding a new path for yourself, which I'm very excited about. Um, I mean, obviously, like the most like one of the things that Citizen Sleeper did best was characters, like imbuing these like characters you you don't have to spend any amount of time with who you could view as total like side like NPCs or whatever, giving them so much personality and so much history and making them feel so real. Uh, I'm very interested to see that concept used to build out like a static crew of people. I also just I, I there's something about that idea of just like managing this crew of people on a spaceship that like just always excites me and i think Mm -hmm. it's like very rarely done particularly well but i think it's something that i always i'm always in for yeah there was a great um along with the announcement there's a really really great like deep dive interview that went Mm -hmm. up on um rock paper shotgun and one of the things that i thought was like really interesting again like kind of comparing it to the interview um you had with them was they again said something along the lines of like comparing it to Mass Effect with the idea of the, <laughs> yeah. like this time around you have a ship of your own, you have a crew. And they're like, this isn't Mass Effect, though. Like, it's going to be a little like gritty and you're it's you're not going to get along with everybody. It's going to be a little more complicated than that. Yeah. And, like I, my initial reaction is um, I'm always especially with indie developers who I really, really love. I'm always hesitant about when they do a direct sequel to something i i had that same initial reaction too yeah because like uh the one that i think a lot about a lot right now that i'm like so hesitant about is super giants working on hades 2 and like one of the things i loved about super giant is they do like they did a new thing every time and so with citizen sleeper 2 i was originally like oh i don't know how you do that Mm -hmm. like i don't know how you come back to this but i was like thinking about a lot of the stuff that you know came out in interviews and stuff, especially like the ones with you that gave me Darren Martin said. And it's like, there is this concept of like citizen sleeper itself. Isn't necessarily just a video game. It's like a vessel for more stories. It's the idea of it's like, it's almost like a module for tabletop Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's a rule set and you build new modules. So it's like, it's that idea. And like, I kind that's like kind of made me come around more to it. I think that big Um, shift in, in, structure as well like you know narrative structure at least Mm -hmm. i don't know if the game will be like feel any different to play but it's a very different setup like i think i probably would feel uh, much different about it it was just like you continue as the same character you played in the first one and you're here's what's happening on the eye now like that would be yeah that would be disappointing i think um but this feels like it's Mm -hmm. clearly they're exploring new ideas you know yeah um i don't think that that they would make a sequel to Citizen Sleeper just because Citizen Sleeper did well if they didn't think they had more to explore with it. Just given how, like, look at the jump from In Other Waters to Citizen Sleeper. Like, you could have very easily made a sequel to In Other Waters, like, given how how well that game did. Um, but instead, they did something, like, unbelievably different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a combination of track record and what what they've revealed so far about the game makes me makes me pretty excited. Best in show. But someone who very much doesn't understand 
the appeal of tabletop RPGs, as as Gareth Damien Martin does does quite well, is uh, the developer of Hidden Door, which was we're jumping to a different show now, which was I think this was at the PC gaming show. We're just going to jump around a bunch. We're just going to jump to it. So the, the thing that was made the uh, PC gaming shows like AI shtick so funny to me was that then one of the games that they showed was this just like ai bullshit generator uh it's called hidden door it got like the longest trailer of the entire show it feels like which was just like someone talking into a camera and trying to convince you that ai is not theft (laughs) for like four and a half (laughs) minutes like it looks like trash like it looks completely like shit even the examples they showed were like like of like some of the stories it builds it was just like this looks like shit i don't know why anyone would want to experience this and the funny thing is that like the the host of this little segment described it as like it's all the best parts of playing a ttrpg and it's like i don't know if the thing that i enjoyed the most about playing tabletop games is not sitting alone in front of my computer like that's that's the opposite of what makes these things interesting yeah you can't collaborate with a computer program it's just it's just not a thing yeah it looks like shit. The other funny thing was that they were like, oh, you can like make your own Star Wars. And it was like, you, you're going to put that in the trailer? Like, you're just, you're just daring Disney to come fucking sue you at this point. <laughs> Did you watch this at all? This, this, I didn't see this it's one at very, all. It's very stupid. Um, it just made me really angry to watch. Like, as soon as it showed up and it was clear that it was an AI thing, I was like, oh, fuck this. And then it just kept going. <laughs> it's, man, it's really perplexing that they gave it space on the show. Like... Even if it didn't look like shit, like everyone is so fucking mad at AI in games right now. Like, why? Why would you do this to yourself? It really is like shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, it was just so baffling. Yeah, that looked bad. Uh, in other disappointing uh, procedural generation <laughs> based games. I, w- <laughs> so I want to. The- I want to read how you have this game said in the document, which is. I mean, you're going to the next one on the list, right? Um, oh, yeah, I am. Look at that. I literally did not even realize I was going in order. <laughs> I just think this is really I funny. I looked at the doc since we started. You wrote a bullet point and it's just Starfield looks great, parentheses, if you're boring. I wrote this last night. I also remembered the, the bullet point for Hidden Doors. Hidden Door, lol, get fucked. Yeah, so Starfield looks great mm. if you're boring. I think we already knew this. There was going to be a shit ton of procedural generation. Yeah, um, we for, did. Like, the planets. Because there's over a thousand. I just don't understand that. There are some ways. I think there's like procedural generation has been used in games for a long time and like can be used in really interesting ways. I Mm -hmm. think it's at a point now where if I see procedural generation in a game, I get way less excited. I think the only the only good use of it in the past like five years is on. I said uncharted, not uncharted, unexplored to. I don't know if you played this. this. Unexplored 2 like uses procedural generation in a way that actually does begin to feel reminiscent of of tabletop RPG structure, which is which is super interesting. Uh, a closer example to this would be No Man's Sky. It's a game that's about exploring this vast galaxy full of all these wild planets, and like y- you're one of the main things you do in that game is like catalog all these different life forms, and so the game uses procedural generation to like make these weird creatures everywhere you go like every planet looks different you know it it makes it feel like you're exploring this vast space which works because you are meant to be like a lone explorer these planets like uninhabited by like intelligent life for the most part And, and that works like it sells the idea that this place is like unexplored and you could like find anything but for a game like 
Starfield. I keep wanting to say Star Citizen. <laughs> or what a, another game yeah. that, you know. It's, it's going to be great in 2035 when it comes out. <laughs> but in a game like Starfield, the, the point is supposed to be like it is an RPG. It is about story. It is about building your your character and you can do whatever you want. And with that kind of thing, I just don't understand the appeal of procedural generation, especially from a developer like Bethesda, who historically like the thing that they lean into is like writing and quest design and things like that are what like make them interesting. Just turning that all over to an algorithm, I think, is like the least exciting thing you could possibly do with this game. Yeah, it's it's like this game has always been really uninteresting to me specifically. And it just has always felt kind of like empty. And I feel like this latest direct just kind of like double down on that where I'm like, oh, yeah, not much going on. It feels like. Did you watch I- like the the portion of it that was just Starfield? Yeah. I don't know how you watch that and get excited. I'm sorry. I don't know. I saw, I mean, like I was like on Twitter and like people were like seemed really jazzed, but I was like, not a single sentence of this makes me more excited than I was I feel before. Like, I feel like I don't personally know a single person who's excited about this game though. No, and, that's true. And like, maybe it's just the fact that like I surround myself with people who also have like, Good you opinions. know, bad taste like me and are fucking weirdos, but it's like... You know, we we have a lot of people around us, like in these circles and like, you know, games journalism and dev and even PR people. It's like, I don't think I've seen a single person be like, you know, what looks fucking great. Starfield. I think there's actually a game that was also at these showcases that we'll get to later Mm -hmm. that blows Starfield out of the water. Okay, I will say of everything that they showed in this focus thing, the things that were the most exciting to me were building your ship and building your habitat (laughs) just uh just want to build stuff yeah it just seems nice Mm -hmm. i think it's very similar to what i was saying with like citizen sleeper 2 it's like i always like that idea of just like managing your crew managing this place where you all live together like that stuff is always very appealing to me it's something that i don't expect to be done in an interesting way in starfield but like Mm -hmm. some of like the base building tools and like the the ship building tools i was like that's cool that would be great if that was like a whole game that you actually fleshed out this just makes me want to shout out a game that that actually is all about building ships which is called uh sunshine heavy industries small indie game uh that's about like running a little shipyard and like building these these very strange ships this is not related i just want to call that game out because it is really fucking good but it's it's just like that system seems to be just like smashed into starfield along Mm -hmm. with like 50 other things yeah like this very like fallout 4 ass mixed with destiny combat cringy attempts at humor even in the little groups that we saw like i don't know i just really don't get it um i don't know we sound like haters like i would love to like i would love to play a game like this and love it but there's just like I don't know. Nothing about this looks interesting to Mm -hmm. me. You know, I feel like I'm going to jump ahead to the game that I'm thinking about because I think it's going to be a good point of comparison. You know, and we've talked about this a lot. It takes so much for like a triple A game, especially like an open world triple A game to excite me or make Mm -hmm. me at all interesting. I am so fucking hyped for Star Wars Outlaws. (laughs) You are? Yes. Okay. I don't. I i don't even i'm stunned i'm so excited i what i know okay because because listen listen (laughs) to me listen listen i know i know she's hot 
I mean, yeah. Okay, Vess, the pilot. Is that her name? Kay Vess. Yeah. I know Kay Vess is 1000% both of our types, but that doesn't mean the game's going to be good. Listen, okay. I've. There is a part of me that wants to like the cool thing. Listen, and, I would love and to like video games. It looks <laughs> I try to really fun. It looks really fun to me. And it has it just has what? that okay. Star Wars, you know, je ne sais quoi. The sounds. I like the sounds. It they sound good, good. It's it's like it's what I've always wanted. Okay, here's why. It's had what I've always wanted, which is I've always wanted a like scoundrel Star Wars game and here's the thing we've been i feel like it's you know charlie brown and the football this has been (laughs) dangled in front of us a million times it's true because we had star wars 1313 and then that was canceled Mm -hmm. and then one of the games that i'm forever like so sad never got made because it's so upsetting to me is Project Ragtag, which was Amy Hennig's Star Wars game with a visceral, and it was going to be like a heist game set in the Star Wars universe and like blah, 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 blah. It sounded fucking cool as shit. It really did. This is a Star Wars heist game about like a you know a is it though yes is it a Star I'm just going to play the main quest. I'm just going to play the main quest where you sneak around up behind somebody and then press x to knock them out but i'm a hot pilot so you can get past them and then one of them sees you and it just turns into a thing where you shoot all of them and it feels just like every other game that's just like a hot pilot in star wars and i'm gonna be able to do a big heist and i'm gonna go from the ground and i'm gonna get my spaceship and take off and i'm gonna run away from tie fighters and i'm gonna go into hyperspace This and is I what just... writing fan fiction is for. I, I will say it was like it is. It is very. It was very impressive to see the way that it transitions from these like on the ground, like this little scenario in the warehouse that opened with it, and then you get on your little speeder bike and you ride through the open world, and then you go into this like narrative scene where you're like con- talking to these people and trying to brag. Yeah, them, and then you even get in your ship and fly. And it seems very at least in the way it was presented here, it seems very seamless and like telling one story with all of those different elements. Like, I think that's very impressive, but it it has some of like a lot of the same problem with Starfield, which is just like, it is very impressive that they've made a game with all of this stuff. But like when I'm in that conversation in that dark room and trying to like, you know, finagle this deal or whatever, it doesn't matter to me that the game also contains space combat and speeder bike chases and da 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 da. It's like, you can put as much stuff in a game as you want, but if those individual components aren't actually that appealing, it doesn't matter how much other stuff there is there. And nothing in this little bit looked that appealing to me. The Star Warsiness of it was cool. Again, I just want to look at pictures of KVS all day. That's fine. I like your little your little animal companion. I will see the part of the trailer where I was like, oh, this might actually be exciting. It was when they showed um she's like sneaking around and you can send your little your little rat guy out to like do stuff. But then the thing that you that she did with it was just like flip a switch. And I was like, oh okay. I thought something interesting was gonna happen, but it didn't. That's kind of, that was kind of my feeling this whole trailer. It was like, oh, it looks like something interesting is going to happen. Oh, it, it's not. It's something very that I've seen a lot before. I only get excited about a AAA game once every like five years. Let me have this. I'm not trying to take this away from you. And you're right. The sounds did sound great. They sound like, really great. No, Pew-pew. like not a joke. Like 
great good sound design like honest often goes unnoticed and uncommented on this seems to have great sound design like that's cool that is like even like the the aesthetics of it very cool it just i don't know it doesn't feel like it doesn't seem to feel the way that i would want a star wars Mm -hmm. scoundrel game to feel that's okay if it doesn't work out we still have amy hennig's other star wars game which do you know about that game because like Amy Hennig now works at Skydance Games. All I know about it is yeah. what's been like, you know, out there publicly. I know. And Amy Hennig is working on it again. Do you know who's working on it with her? The guy who was the creative director of Star Wars 1313. Oh no. So that this either game, means it's gonna be really great to come out. You can't or it's gonna get to canceled. <laughs> How many times do they have to try this before they're just like, we can't I'm sorry, we can't work together. Oh man. <laughs> Anyways. God bless him for trying. I don't okay. know. I'm glad you're excited about this. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a Star Wars game that got me this excited. I don't know if this is going to be the one, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's nothing mm-hmm. I'd like more than for the next trailer for me to be like, oh no, I was wrong. I'm making do with what I have. Okay. Until I see Amy Hennig's game, mm-hmm. this is what I have. <laughs> this is what you have. And I'm, let's talk I'm about, happy for you. Let's talk about the other AAA game that I'm absolutely feral for. Oh, yes. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. <laughs> I lost my shit when this played. I'm also, I think we talked about this already, actually, but like watching this trailer, like also did not excite me. You're but I also know that <laughs> I'm heartless. I also know that when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, I was like, this is not interesting to me. I loved Final Fantasy VII, but I don't really want to play it again. And then I eventually bought it when it was on sale for like $20 or something. And I turned it on and the Final Fantasy VII theme song started playing on the menu screen and i just sat there and listened to the song for like 12 minutes and mm-hmm. we started playing the game and it fucking ruled so like i know i'm there's a very high chance i'm going to love this game when it comes out but there's something i don't know it just doesn't like seeing it doesn't make me go like oh i need to play this right now it's just like i don't know why again maybe i am dead inside who could say but it's just yeah i don't know I was happy to see Aerith and Tifa again. I always always love them. Two of my favorite people. I just think like Final Fantasy VII Remake to me is the only AAA remake that justifies its existence. Yeah, totally. And Rebirth is like, I'm super excited about it. There's a lot of things in the trailer that look really cool on top of just like the regular stuff of like, we're going to ride some chocobos. I cannot wait. There's a chocobo barn in the trailer. If this game has chocobo breeding again... Oh shit! You will would, you will not see me yeah, for years. I'll spend sixty hours trying to yeah. get Knights of the Round again. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be great. It's like, and I'm just like losing my mind, at like thinking about how a AAA game in 2023 or 2024, when it comes out, is going to like do some of the stuff that narratively is going to happen now. Like, you have to think that when you start that game, Nibelheim's going to happen very quick. And I just cannot think of anything more exciting. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing is I, I am excited to, like, continue with this story. There's just something about, like, seeing this trailer. Where I was just like, yeah, all right, cool. Okay. Should we talk I mean, about... I don't know. Uh... You're, 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 you're right. Like, we've talked, we've talked a lot about remakes and how they don't excite us. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the one that, that, that does excite me. Let's talk about Hot Pinocchio. Oh, are we not going to keep talking about remakes? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about another remake that you're excited for and I couldn't care less about. I Oh, actually, maybe I'm you're not, not excited, excited. for it I'm not excited. I forgot we already talked so, about this. So, this is Persona you're 3. So yeah. You were excited for 
roughly 15 seconds until you realized what was going to happen. Yeah. And then you were right. So on Friday, Atlas accidentally leaked that they were announcing a Persona 3 remake called uh-huh. Persona 3 Reload, in addition to a new Persona 5 game called Persona 5 Tactica, which I will say Persona 5 Tactica looks pretty cool, actually. It's like a tactics Persona 5 game. Cool. Neat. But the big thing is Persona 3 Reload, which is a remake of Persona 3. And it leaked on Friday and with, with the trailer. And the first thing that I realized was that there was no female protagonist in sight. But will and, surely they'll add that and they're just not showing it in the trailer, right? You'd that would be you, a deranged thing for it Atlas would to be do deranged. Not her character. It would be deranged, but Atlas is Atlas, and I was not hopeful. And lo and behold, you know, Sunday rolls around, the official release happens, or the the official announcement, and then PR starts talking, and it comes out that, yeah, this is just a remake of the original release of Persona 3, which means no female protagonist, which means no money to Atlas. <laughs> no, boycott. no homo once again. Boycott Persona 3 Reload. I am livid. I cannot explain how fucking furious I am about this. And it makes no sense. It's like, <sighs> we've talked about this, I think, before. Persona 3 has yes. no definitive version. There are three different versions of Persona 3 there's the original release, there's FES, which came like a year after, which added an epilogue called The Answer and added some additional quality of life things. FES? I don't know. Okay. Um, nobody knows <laughs> and then a couple of years after that after persona 4 had actually come out they released persona 3 portable which was like kind of a big revamp of it it simplified the like exploration to be a little bit more visual novelty outside of tartarus but it also introduced the female protagonist which also introduced a lot of new social links in addition to like male social links that you could like romance and it fleshed out so much. Also, the female protagonist is written better. She has a lot of character. She's fun. She has like a unique identity that the male protagonist doesn't. And they're just not going to have her. The only female protagonist in like the modern Persona series from three on. And they're just cutting her out. And they're going with the Jeff Keeley approach. They're going allowed. with the Jeff Keeley approach. And I'm fucking livid about it. And everybody I know is livid about it. And I think no money to Atlas, no yeah. money. And do you know what's going to make me even more upset? What? If they announce like, oh, six months after we're releasing Persona 3 Reload DLC and it's the Portable. female protagonist, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. This, the female protagonist is like not just like important because you should have a female fucking playable character. Right, sure. She is because women exist. Yes. She is actually one of the best written characters in the series. She's an incredible protagonist. A lot of the stuff that was in her game also was like a lot of great quality of life improvements. And this is what the bullshit is is Atlas has talked about how they're like making this a faithful remake of the original Persona 3 release. Well, do you know what also wasn't in the original Persona 3? The ability to control your party members. You could only control yourself. Your party members acted on AI. That seems bad. Do you know what else wasn't on the original Persona 3 release? The Aegis social link. And the Aegis social link is fucking phenomenal. Aegis, she's a character. Oh, okay. Aegis is great, and the social link for Aegis is fantastic, and it fleshes her character out more. There's a lot of quality of life improvements 
that are baked into this in addition to really great story things. And they've said they are including those. Oh, they have an official. So we know you're going to be able to control your party members. They've hinted that Aegis social link is going to be part of it. And it's like, I know it's walking the line between are they instituting party control? Because like, it's just you're doing a modern remake. And that's it is it is expected. But it's like, if you're going to fucking remake a game, and Persona 3 is one of maybe the most deserving games that needs a definitive version, and you're building it up from the ground, and you have nothing holding you back. Why the fuck are you not including the female protagonist? <laughs> that does make it feel much more pointed. It is. Like, it is. I mean, yeah. It, like It, it fucking it, is. And I'm so are. mad about it, because Atlas... <laughs> fucking sucks with this shit on pride too and it's just it's some bullshit and like listen and listen on top of that on top of that they announced metaphor refantazio or well re-announced it because this was project refantasy which is like their first new thing you know in a while it's like their new rpg and that has a bland as fuck male protagonist who looks cookie cutter exactly like fucking the pers- like the fucking Persona 3 protagonist, the male one. And it's like, what are you fucking doing? Give me a female playable character. Do I have to wait for Persona 6 in like 2027? That's not going to have a female player. It's either. not going to have a female protagonist. You know it won't. It's fucking bullshit. I feel I'm- like we need <sighs> to have a full like Persona episode at some point. Because everybody I know who loves Persona is like, I love this series so much. It's the most homophobic and misogynistic thing in the universe. Absolutely. Which and is bullshit. It. It's wild and because I, it I is... I do not understand why it's so appealing to people. It's it so... sounds terrible. It's very homophobic and very transphobic and very problematic. Yeah, it sounds and, awful. And also, though, inherently the story itself, the like the whole idea of the Persona games, gay as fuck. That makes it worse. Yes. It's because the creators are fucking terrible. You know, we, you know what we need to do? We need to get Tori and Noah on here because they've played Persona. They know and you haven't. I know I haven't. And I've, I've, I've chosen not to because of Persona so I can yell, play Persona so I can yell more about how Persona sucks, but also how it's good. I'm really upset. But anyway, it's very bad. I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to feel the way that you're feeling right now. So I'm not going to play these bad seeming games that hate me. Fucking whatever. I think you should. I think everybody should boycott Atlas. I'm not even fucking around. I am not going to pay money for this game. I'm so fucking mad. I'm so mad. I know. I don't know if a game announcer has made me this mad like ever. I mean, I can't imagine that it would have. It's just they dangled it in front of me so hard. Listen, I hate doing this to you. I hate remakes. And I would throw aside all of my fucking beliefs (laughs) to play Persona 3 in fucking, you know, 4K with a female protagonist. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even do it. Nope. Because they don't like you personally. Anyways, Metaphor Refantazio looks pretty cool. (laughs) Why do you do this to yourself? (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be fantasy persona that's good yeah there's a really hot redheaded elf girl cool i bet they're gonna treat her great Um, yeah i doubt it (laughs) anyways i want to i want to move on i want to move on (laughs) what game what what's the game on this from this week that made you the least angry let's try to pull you out of this out of this self-destructive spiral you're in now 
Summerhill. Summerhill. It's the opposite of persona. It replaces all the homophobia with sheep. Yeah. I've been wanting to talk about this game since I saw it announced. Like when I got the like ahead of time day of the devs, I was like, oh, I'm going to lose my shit about this game. I can't wait. You were right, too. It was one of like the most appealing things it was presented. Um, I felt this way about like to go back to just praising day of the devs again very quickly as it like aside from like just the wonderful way that they presented these things. It was just like every single game I knew every single time a new game came off. It was like surprising and interesting in a different way. Uh, which I which I really appreciate because the other problem with like a lot of the, these shows is like they tend to everything kind of blends together. Mm-hmm. The day of the devs was like everything was like had something new going on. Where it was very exciting. The way uh, I Summer knew. Hill. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. Summerhill immediately got me. It's the art style is so beautiful. Yeah. So Summerhill is a sheep herding game. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it is you play as a shepherd who is guiding sheep around. I, that seems to be it. it you have looks, a dog. And it's like, there's a fantastical element and seems like there's like a, a weird, mysterious element to it. My favorite part is during the, the showcase, they were like, this game is defined by fluid herding gameplay. I was like, <laughs> 10 out of 10, I'm sign in. me up. Uh, it looks great. I, I just, it just yeah. looks so peaceful, but like really distinct in its art style. Yeah, it wasn't doing anything like it, like particularly stylized it was just like had a very striking style mm-hmm. like it just it looks wonderful like lots of playing with light a lot i think there was lots of images of just like sunrises and sunsets and just the way that 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 light played across these landscapes uh and yeah you just you got some sheep around and it looks gorgeous and chill and nice and i'm very excited mm-hmm. for it i mean like day of the devs definitely had like the the it had the highest success rate for me Absolutely. Like, yeah by a long shot yeah yeah um, I mean, there were so many on here, like Salty Chronicles, which talk about like another game with a really, really cool, striking art style from the developer of uh, Mutazione, and it has a, like a pretty similar art style, like, you know, lineless sort of cartoon style, almost like almost cut out, not quite, but yeah, very, very distinct art style. It's a game about like living in this little habitat (laughs) you live in like a communal living space that is a ship because you're in like a post post apocalypse basically Mm -hmm. that's a flooded world and you basically like live on a ship that's a community i think the interesting thing they said is like you don't play as like a person on the ship you don't play as like the captain Mm -hmm. you play as like the ship's community yeah which reminds me a little bit of a there's a tabletop game called Orbital where you play as like different sort of elements like you 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 can like take the role of different characters but you can also play as like the like I'm the criminal underground of this station that's that's my role for this scene uh, so I, I was definitely getting some notes of that from Salt Sea Chronicles mm-hmm. but it's yeah I don't know like I guess narrative like very narrative focus like not really a visual novel because because it's not quite it doesn't seem to be as plot driven is that like it is seems to be more much about the kind of relationships and you kind of picking and choosing where to point the camera and what to do with that yeah it looked gorgeous and, and super interesting it also has a uh it has a card game in it that reminds me of triple game. triad which is great <laughs> perfect i love triple triad so and i love card games yeah. mostly I, I knew day of the devs was going to be big for you because it was a big showcase for camera games yeah um, I think like the second or third game that they showed was this game called Viewfinder, which when I saw it shown, I said, this looks like magic. 
by which I mean like it looks magical. And also, I think they literally must have done some sort of magic to get this to work because I don't understand it otherwise. It makes no fucking sense. So the the premise of this game is it's just kind of a like I don't know, walking simish like puzzle game, like a first person thing. You're walking around these environments and figuring out how to navigate them. But the the sort of main hook of this game is you can either find or take photographs of the environments around you. Uh, and then there's just like with like a, you know, basically a button press, you can hold them up in front of you and then press another button. And wherever you are holding the photo in that moment, everything in the photo becomes like physically manifested in the world. So some of the examples they showed, like there's a big, like there's a gap that you need to cross and you can find a photo of a, like a building and turn it on its side so that the, the, the building is like spanning that gap and then press the button to like set it in place. And then you can go to the other side and walk, that building will be there in physical space and you can then walk across it and, and get to the other side. Uh, it looked like unbelievable. It makes no sense, and it's so wild to look at, and I cannot wait to play it. Well, there is a demo out, so I did play it, and it feels, like, even more unbelievable in person. Like, I knew what was going to happen, Mm -hmm. and still the first time that I, like, set a photo in place and was able to walk around it, it was just, like... I don't know, like you have, you can have those moments sometimes with games where you're like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a new thing that I've just seen happen before my eyes. And that was the experience that I had with it. There's like a pretty short demo. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about how the game will like come together because I, I just kind of wonder like, what are the limits of this, this mechanic being like used to, to continue to tell the story? And the demo is like, seems very much designed to show off the technology more than like really show you how the puzzles are going to work. But there is um, something that was really surprising for me about the demo is at a certain point into this, you are not, I don't know if this, I I can't tell if this is just a thing they're doing like for the demo or if this is like an actual chunk of the game, but there's like a, a long stretch of it where you're not just picking up photographs, you pick up like a pencil sketch and put it in place. And then that part of the world that you walk through is like in the style of a pencil sketch. And then there's like a painting and there's like a child's crayon drawing that you then can explore this like little house that is drawn that way. Uh, And then there's parts where you pick up like what looks like a screenshot from an old like MS, you know, like early Windows, like very crunchy graphic, like dungeon crawler, and you set it in front of you, and then you are just like in that game. Like you're in this castle with the very like artifacty, glitchy graphics around. And it's just like absolutely magical that like you are building the environment out of these completely conflicting graphical styles that are all like just jammed up against each other. It's I, it is so fascinating. And then like it gets even like I think more impressive when you are able to at a certain point pick up a camera and you can just take a photo of anything and then use that to build your environment, which like I I again like it's it's just another layer of even more impressive like because it's not just these static things that they've built and now you can place them in the world. It's like you create this the the puzzle solution yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to play the demo. It's it's great. It's so mm-hmm. good. I yeah, I just don't even know like what else to say about it. It's just like it's it was one of the most technically and like creatively impressive things that I that I mm-hmm. saw throughout this whole like this whole week. Uh so Day of the Devs also one more thing I wanted to shout out from them was uh Beastie Ball. 
which is from the the developers of Chicory. Yeah, very different game from Chicory. Yeah, it is. It's the art like style a, is gorgeous, though. Again, yeah, yeah, very cute, like you know, cartoony kind of style. This also has a demo up that I played uh, just this morning. It has a very cute little character creator that I had a, I had a great time making my my little girl in overalls with. But yeah, it is a like Pokemon slash volleyball game. <laughs> the way that I described it is it's because this is they they had shots of this in the like the little developer video is it's it's Pokemon meets Haikuyu, which yes the yeah the volleyball manga mm-hmm. and anime and it's so neat it's basically yeah it's like it's a monster catching game like pokemon but their whole thing is like instead of battling and building like big teams it's about they basically play volleyball mm-hmm. so you you choose which ones you want to be on a team and the whole thing is that it plays out like a turn based game but volleyball and mm-hmm. also the po- not the pokemon the the creatures that you choose to team up they can build special relationships that then unlock special skills but it can be like their friends or their lovers or they're even like rivals on, on the <laughs> same team and stuff it, it sounds really fun and like neat yeah there is a point in the like the the demo that i played where there's some character i think asks you uh what do you like your opinion on sports anime and what the like one of the answers was something like i've never heard of it or whatever or i or I, I don't believe in sports anime i believe was the answer and i picked that one uh and the response was like well you better start believing it because you're in one. <laughs> oh my Fuck god yes. that's amazing uh, it's very cute liza p came out with a demo liza p came out with a demo you can play as hot pinocchio I did play as Hot Pinocchio. I just think I told you this already, but I just think it's really funny. I was sitting. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I do understand. This, this is woman. the best continuing like segment of our podcast is trying to understand Zoe. Impossible. Which, is, which like I've been trying to do for like <laughs> eight years. I've been trying to figure out her, and it just still isn't happening. But we were sitting and just watching TV. She looks up from her computer because she was doing something. She was like, what's that? What's that new Pinocchio game? And I was like, do you mean Lies of P? She's like, yeah, I want to play it. She's like, I'm going to play like 100 hours of it. Like, you know, it's like Dark Souls. She's like, I don't care. It looks cool. And like, you got to play as hot Pinocchio. I was like, what the fuck? You've never you've never had an interest in any game like this. Like we we did play Elden Ring together, but like I played it and I'm like, you've never played Dark Souls. You've never played Bloodborne. Like you have a hard time sometimes with like games that are so explicitly about difficulty. But I but Liza P apparently is good. Is one Timothy Chalamet looking ass Pinocchio. (laughs) It's it makes no sense. And I'm so I cannot wait. I will buy this game. I will buy this game to to see what she thinks when she plays it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i absolute perplexing um i played the demo i think i'm just not interested in souls-like games that are not actually made by fromsoft anymore yeah i just i it bums me out that like dark souls is like the most influential game of the past like 20 years but the only lesson that anyone seems to take from it is like what if it was really hard and like really grisly and dark and like you know, bleak. I think there are so much more interest. Like that is the least interesting element of Dark Souls. 
the the difficulty serves a purpose there like it is the, it it does something for the game which i think a lot of games that just take the difficulty element don't do that I and think, even then, I think there are more interesting things to it than the difficulty. I think From Software has the benefit of they're the only people who have made literally Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. So they're also the only developer who knows how to make games better than Dark Souls or make <laughs> interesting <laughs> variations on it. Yeah. Because like everybody else sees Dark Souls and you can understand it to an extent, but you didn't make it. And so right. it's like you make something like it. So you have Bloodborne, but it's Pinocchio and stuff. Whereas with From Software, they're like, we are going to take a key mechanical core of, of this game, of this formula, and we're going to either take it away completely to like create something fascinating and new, or we're going to like add something wild to it that breaks it in a different way. And it's like they're creating interesting like innovations on a key formula that's why like bloodborne was fascinating fascinating because it was like we've made you know at that point they had made three uh they did demon souls and then dark souls one and two and it's like we're gonna make something interesting by like everybody thinks dark souls is about learning enemy patterns and like learning when to strike bloodborne is gonna be speed (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna say you have no shield you cannot block you cannot defend you need to be aggressive we're going to break that. We're going to break the player. And then they went back to Dark Souls. And then the next thing they did, they were like, okay, Dark Souls as a formula and even Bloodborne is about creating builds. And it's about using the builds and skills to create a path through the game, semi-breaking it. Like you have a way to like play with the game. And they're like, what if we took that option completely away from the player and we made a game about that leans hard into the idea of you need to perfect combat. Mm-hmm. So they made Sekiro. I also love that 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 progression was like, okay, well, everybody uses their shield a lot in Dark Souls. So in Bloodborne, we're going to take that away and make it so you can only dodge. And then for Sekiro, they were like, well, everyone's dodging a lot now. So let's take that. Like, you can still dodge, mm-hmm. but like, you shouldn't in most cases. Yeah. So it's like, no, you need to stand there and, and wait until you're about to get sliced in half before you react at all. And then, like, obviously, it was, like, Dark Souls kind of is the, like, modern kind of epitome of a Metroidvania. It's like, okay, it's about going through places and learning to open up new areas and blah, blah, blah. It all turns back on itself. And they're like, and there's only one path through Mm -hmm. a Dark Souls game. You have to go through the same progression of bosses besides, like, a couple, couple optional things. Like, it is a linear progression. They're like, what if we just said, fuck that, and we made it that you could do literally anything you wanted? Mm-hmm. And it's like they're doing interesting things with it, where I think still to this day, other people who make Souls games typically are like chasing from software. That's true. Yeah, they, they, the, the sort of knockoffs seem to be aiming at what they see from soft already doing, but they haven't taken the same path there. Mm-hmm. So the, the the lessons they take are less. Mm-hmm. I just think like the sense of space and the sense of history uh, are are so much more interesting in FromSoft's work than like basically anything else i I wish i wish that that was what was what people were taking away from it was Mm -hmm. was that i don't think lysop is doing that i think they're going for the more direct route uh if that's your thing this seems like a good one of them i don't know another game i did want to point out is a highland song which is on the tribeca official selection and so at time of recording i have not actually played it but I will be going hands on it with it later this week. So I'll I'll touch back on this when I've actually played it. But this game looks really cool and pretty. It's like a 
it's um has elements of music in it, but it's like an a two D you know side scrolling adventure game about being in the Highlands. It looks really cute, and I like it. Yeah, <sighs> it does look really cute. Yeah. Uh, to go back slightly, you uh the game Jusson whatever Jusson um it is the climbing game. Oh, from Don't Nod. Yes. Which also has a Steam demo, by the way. Okay. Um, so I played it earlier. There is, there were, there's definitely some complications. Like it is a game. It's a game about climbing. Like it is, it, you you start at the bottom of this giant pillar, and you are trying to climb your way up to the top of the pillar. And it is using like the techniques of actual like climbing, like balleting, um, where it's like the controls are literally like your left trigger is hold on with your left hand, and your right trigger is hold on with your right hand, and you are like looking for handholds the whole way and trying to decide when to jump and when to like you know push yourself off the wall to get distance like that like it's it's very interesting i played it like mo- like just before we started recording there's definitely some trickiness of it like things that should be handholds it's like doesn't recognize mm-hmm. are or like it, it'll make a weird guess as to which where you're trying to go with your your hand so yeah the controls feel a little wonky still but really interesting idea. Um, I really love the idea of a game that's about, like, just about climbing. That's really fascinating to me. In general, a game that is about moving through an environment for its own sake. Like, the point is that movement. It's not like you're there to find the treasure or you're going to, you need to traverse this to, like, get to the combat parts. It's like, no, the point is to is to move. It's to be, like, very deliberate about where you're using energy and like which which routes you decide to take i think it's fascinating it's a really pretty looking game when it works like like i'd say like 90 percent of the time it like worked and flowed really well and it feels great when that breaks it's really frustrating like there was a point in the demo where i got stuck for like so long because it wanted me to like I was holding on to a particular point and it wanted me to, to jump up to the next handhold. And it just, I just could not get my character to grab onto the thing they were supposed to. And then I just kind of like shimmied over a couple inches to the right and tried again. And it finally, like they were able to grab it for like no reason. So there, there is some like, you know, sort of bugginess, I guess, around that, like where it is willing to accept your inputs or whatever. But I think it's really fascinating. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to like, play more of this game it's yeah i don't know it was it was one of the more like interesting looking ones and then actually has kind of a a really unique gameplay to back it up which i thought was fun jusson actually kind of made me feel a little bit like sable as well where the idea is is movement the idea is like getting to know this environment from what i saw so far it's like the environment there's not as much interesting stuff going on there but the the movement itself was still really really nice you want to talk about any of the other games? Oh, I guess I should mention uh, Angeline Era, Angeline Era. Oh, yeah. Angeline Era. How could we forget? Yeah. I mean, because I've been following it for like months already. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I forgot that it was just announced. <sighs> um, the new Energy Productions game was announced at Future of Play. Very strange. Very different from the other stuff. Uh, this sort of like top-down action game were you like there's like no it's very combat focused but there's no like attack button you just like run into enemies to attack them and then at certain points you can like go jump in these little caves and then it becomes like a 
2D side scroller. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. This is the this is the arc with any like analgesic production game. Is I'm like I don't know what you're going for. This looks completely bizarre and baffling. And then I play it, and I'm like, oh, this is a masterpiece. So maybe this will break the streak. Maybe it will continue the streak. Who could say? Uh, either way, I'm very excited. I, I don't know what to make of it, but I never do with their games until I actually get my hands on them. Mm-hmm. I'm just very. It just makes me happy that they that they they continue this this tradition of like. Everything they do is so different from everything else they've ever done. And not only that, but so different from everything else that's being made. They have such an such a wonderful way of taking like mechanics and ideas that we're very familiar with in in games, like a you know, like a this action game or this 2D side-scrolling thing. Like those are not new concepts in any way, but they have ways of flipping them around on themselves in ways that you wouldn't expect, uh, using them to upset your expectations. This, I mean, this developer just rules. I, I, I've, it's been well documented how much I love this developer. I'm going to be excited every time they do something new. And they're doing something new. And it's called Angeline, Angeline Era. It's yeah. called something. It's called, it sure is called something. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, outside of this busy, busy week, what have you been up to? Not too terribly much. Again, mostly what I've been playing is more Honkai Star Rail, actually. Because it's a good game and it's fun, and they put my gamer GF in it uh, with the latest Silver update, Wolf. Silver Wolf. And also, it is a game that I could kind of mindlessly play while I watched these showcases, so that yeah. when there was something boring happening, I could just switch my attention to that, which was very helpful because there was something boring happening in these showcases, like ninety nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got a lot, you know, a lot of Star Rail played. But yeah, they just recently released the 1.1 update, which adds Silver Wolf and also adds a couple of events. Actually, there's one based around Silver Wolf, which uh, the like seasonal event tied to that is like looking through various environments on Herta's space station to find like graffiti markers, which is just a you know kind of dumb little mini game. Uh, but there's also running right now an event where you it's basically like a museum management sim. So there's a museum on uh Bellobog, which is like the snowy city that, that yeah. the first kind of like chunk of the game takes place in. And there's like this really extensive quest line about finding different artifacts that have been stolen from the museum and like replacing them. And then there's like a management layer of that where you go in and you assign like there's like four different wings of the museum, I think, and you assign different people to work in them that all have like different skills that affect like how happy people are with the exhibits. And you like get funds every day to like level up your different like exhibits and stuff. It's like it's not like really deep. Like you know, there's there's just like three stats that you're managing for each one basically, and like kind of trying to find the best combination of like assistance to to match those. But it's really surprising how much it's just like a different game mode that they just plugged into this thing, uh, and it's like a really really long quest that goes along with it. So that's, I don't know, just really, really interesting. Um, I had like stopped playing for a while, but then like once this update came out, I'm like back to playing it every day again. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. Like good, uh, a thing that I was into for a while and now has like just added a whole different thing in it. Oh, and the other thing I do want to mention about that is unlike Genshin Impact, uh, which is by the same developer, these so these seasonal events will come every once in a while and you can get a bunch of rewards for them and and you know all this different stuff. But when the event ends, there's actually a mode in 
Star Rail, where you can you can keep playing these events and you won't get like the unique rewards that they offer. But you can if you like miss this museum thing and you want to come back in a month and try it, you'll still be able to play it like it won't just disappear like it does in Genshin. Um, but yeah, that's basically what I've been up to. Uh, have you found the time to fit in anything between raging about Persona and being excited about Star Wars? Barely. Let me tell you, if you look at my t- if you look at my Twitter, oh no, it is it's just jam packed of like anti Atlas propaganda right now. <laughs> Good, you're leading the resistance. I really am. I'm really doing my part. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, outside of that, there are two things I want to sh- you know chat out slash talk about. The first is um, Game Assist, which is this great YouTube channel that does these really awesome like deep dive YouTube videos. Um, they have a new video out called Making a Monster Power and a Pandemic Perspective on Vampire. This is a this is a, an hour long video where they talk basically about the use Don't Nod's Vampire game as a way to like talk about the idea of um, how like healthcare and medicine relates to like, you know, social power and fear and the way monsters work. It's really cool. I highly recommend it. Um, And the other thing is that in addition to this week being like the busiest week of games, Sunday was also Tony night. It was the Tonys. So I'm doing jazz hands. Yeah, you are. Bossy would love that for you. Um, But after driving back on Sunday and sleeping through part of the Xbox showcase and all of the PC showcase, we ordered some dinner. And we watched the Tonys and these Tonys were fucking wild because I don't know if you've like heard about this debacle. Obviously, the WGA is striking right now and, you know, support the WGA, support the union. But one of the things about that is that because of that, the Tonys weren't going to be able to be broadcast because the WGA union writers write the like script and stuff. So they weren't going to be able to do it. They made a deal where if they didn't use a script they would be able to do the Tonys. So what happened was, is there were no bit, like they didn't really do stupid bits, which was great. Damn. This caused a lot of things. There were pros and cons. The Tonys usually have a huge opening number, like a really cool opening number. They they had one this year, but it was more dance focused, which is cool. It was cool to watch, but it was much shorter and it wasn't as showy because it didn't have song and dance. That was sad. What was great is that there were less bits. I hate bits and awards shows. Fuck off. I wish PC gaming show could have gotten that memo. But it did mean that every, literally every time a presenter went up, they had to kind of like improv everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. Which led to some like objectively just hilarious, stupid shit. And it was great. And then, but it also, it also added a really cool layer of, because they didn't have all these bits and stuff, it gave more space for the shows to actually shine during mm-hmm. the award season. They had way more performances than they usually do of musicals, including musicals that weren't nominated or musicals from like older years that have new, you know, stars in it or something. And then in addition to that, when they talked about the plays and the musicals both, they had like these little documentaries that they made. They like, Mm. you know, talked about with the director or writer and showed like news clips and like parts of the performance. And it just, 
it focused a lot more on the actual shows, which was really, really cool. And then in addition to that, it was just a, it was a pretty good spread of awards. Like the awards didn't, there was no sweep this year. Like one show didn't take everything, which I'm more of a fan of. It means like the awards were spread out more. There were a lot more interesting things in general. And yeah, it was really fun show and i think i think even if you're not a a theater person you should watch the tonys because the tonys are a wild award show but yeah that's that's it but yeah with that mass week of news and a lot of a lot of rambling about persona 3 that is going to be a joy for you to edit with less time than i usually have i know less i'm so sorry this is gonna be a raw one yeah just just send it out unedited um (laughs) but uh, that's going to be it for us this week at Girl Mode. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on social, on Twitter at Girl Mode underscore pod and on co-host at Girl Mode dash pod. You can find me both of those places at The Willow Row. And you can find me both those places at Robin Bombas. Remember to rate us, review us, tell your friends about us. Go to the WJ picket line, and while you're supporting was, yes, the union, say, support the WJ. And while you're supporting the union, tell them about our podcast. <laughs> sure, why not? I have to think of a new thing for each episode. It's yeah, it's, as long as you're supporting the WGA, yeah. you can tell them whatever you want. Yeah. Also, you know, fuck Atlas. Don't fuck don't Atlas, give Atlas your home. money. Fuck Atlas. Go home. We want when when you want to clap. What when's a comfortable time Zoe! for you? <laughs> Zoe, Zoe, yeah. I am recording. What's she doing? Right now? Yes. You started. We're literally about to start. Okay, so you cannot off. scream. No more screaming. No more screaming. <laughs> I've edited a lot of bullshit out of your recording. It's fine. She just went one more scream. <laughs> 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 gotta get it out of your system somehow. You gotta I guess. get out. Do you need to get a scream out? I'm okay. Ah! I don't scream. I'm repressed. Doesn't make you scream. That's different. <laughs> <laughs>